Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1.34 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations go online at royalpizza.ca or download the royal pizza app from the app store the stoffer uh recommendation is the mediterranean chicken back at the 630 chad studio brendan escott brendan i'm going to put you on the spot here and uh we'll work on getting our guest in a few minutes here but he's he's on ready to run oh he's, well we're gonna we got george then there we go nice work uh then i'm gonna bring george in the list we welcome back to the show edmonton sporting icon one of the most popular players to ever wear the Oilers jersey george larock hello george how are you Hi, Bob. How you doing? Good. Look, you're a you're a positive energy guy. You're a fun guy, okay? But yeah. not not everybody can coexist in the same bubble and not go a little bit stir crazy after a while. I mean, I used to work up in remote work sites, and people used to get tired of me, George, after about two days. So, with all <laughs> with all sincerity. Can, can you have empathy for the position that these players are in? The, you know, the the guys in Dallas have been in Edmonton now for two months. They've been in the, the hotel. They've kind of been, you know, cordoned off from everybody else. And I'm just wondering if it if it might affect some guys differently than other guys. What do you think? I, I, I would not be able to do it. Uh, I'm honest with you. I, I drive everybody nuts. Uh, I'm too hyperactive to be staying in and not doing anything, not moving, not doing anything. Yeah. Admire. All the guys being professional, knowing yeah. what they have to do to play the game they love and, and to bring revenue to the league and to help out and stuff. And a lot of guys are not out and they're playing right now. But, man, I, I could totally understand how hard it is not to see your family, your kids, not see anyone live in a hotel. You know, when you go on the road during the season in the NHL, uh, you know, often when you go there, the team is tighter you know a road trip you get the guys together and yes. then you do things you go eat together but at the end of a road trip we're sick of one another and we can't <laughs> wait to go back home and now they can't go anywhere they have to stay there so that's just insane it's uh, the, those guys the, the the troopers and and i know people at home if you're listening to this you don't understand you, you can't compare you can't analyze this and say oh it's nothing at least in the nhl they're human beings, and any human being, come find them in an environment that they can do things that they used to do before and see their family and their kids, and they feel like they're in a prison, uh, you would feel depressed. The best example is Paul George that's playing the NBA. He said that he, he needs to, to see a psychiatric because he, uh, he, he was having depression. He had a hard time playing because he felt like he was in jail and he couldn't, he couldn't play. He, he couldn't play. He couldn't focus because it was so hard on him. And he was vocal about it. He talked about it. And there's many other athletes that are not talking about it that are sure affected by this. Well, look at the okay. Look at so Tyler Sagan. He's a really good player. 
He's improved his two-way game. He's in shape, right? He's probably got an injury, and he is expected to score, and he's fighting it a bit. Well, it's not like you—it's not like you can get away and for you know. I mean, you're stuck in kind of the same area. You're like it—it it must be. And he's got a reputation for being a guy that he's a spirited guy. Like he's a guy like you, George. It's got some energy. That's got to be like, especially when you're struggling and there's a way of expectation that you're going to be a productive player i have a lot of empathy for the position that a guy like that would be in george well you know i hope that bob when, when the series is over he's gonna say that he was playing with an injury because even though he might be affected because it's confined um when the Sunday Cup final um i don't know if you think about the confinement so much when you're that close of winning the cup there's things that happens that during the playoff the further you go the more you're like, oh, my God, I'm close to the ultimate price. Yeah. He hasn't performed at all in the playoffs. And now he could redeem himself in just one series. If, if he just starts scoring against Tampa, people will all forget about tough of the playoff that he had. So that's why I would think that he's hurt because, to me, that's the only thing that would make sense because once you're in the Stanley Cup final, yeah. there's many guys that forget that are hurt. Like, look at Stamkos. He shouldn't even played yesterday, and he played because he wanted to help his teammates. And obviously, he wasn't 100%. That's why he only played two minutes, 46. But he gave a boost to his team, and they won the game just with his presence. So that's why, if you look at all that, injuries in the Stanley Cup final, when you're that close to the trophy, you never know if you're going to be back in that position again. No, you, you, uh, you, you can't think of it. So that's why I think that for him, it has to be, because it doesn't make sense. He's got to be going through something really hard. Yeah, you know what? They're, they showed a highlight yesterday where he got the puck to the left of the net. He, ma- he went to make a shot, and and it got blocked by the defenseman. And it looked like it, it looked like he was favoring a left the left side of his body when he was attempting to make a play. Like it, he just didn't look. He's such an athletic player that it didn't look natural. George, the the funny thing is, there's another thing, and it happened to you guys back in the '06 run. Remember how sick your team got towards the end of the Anaheim series? Like it? Yeah, against the Anaheim series, what happened? We all had the flu, and then I remember before the game, uh, half the team was on IV. And it, it was incredible. Have the team on IVN, and you look at that, you're like, you know, how, how are we going to stand the chance, right? We still won the game. And it was so embarrassing for Anaheim that when the media went to them and they're like, because the media saw it, they knew. So they went to the coaches like, what do you think about the fact that in the playoff you lost to a team that half of them won high beat? And the coach was so embarrassed that he said it was a strategy. He said it wasn't true. We weren't sick because he didn't want to admit that he yeah. knew that we're all on IV because on his team, how bad does it look when you play a team? Half the team is sick and they still win the game. So it's just to let you know like how incredible this was and how, how much resilience our team has because playoff hockey, you know, that was for that was, that was actually to go to the Sonic Cup final. And then we still won that way, so it was uh, it was incredible. How uh, what do you, what are guys do in that situation? Like when you have a bunch of guys sick uh, at that time, and I'm trying to think back in 2006, uh, veterans didn't have that didn't happen till 12:13. So you guys still had a lot of guys, two guys in a room. Like would you just try to st- stay away from each other as much as possible, or well, would you would you court would you quarantine a guy that was really sick? Like what would occur there? It was impossible because, uh, with, you know, first of all, in the visiting dressing room in Anaheim, we're so close. 
you can't quarantine anyone because there's not much room, right? It's not yeah. like you know you're playing at home, you're on the road, so everything is limited. So you know what what we did is I remember Kenny Lowe, we all we each had our own water bottle, but that's it. Wow. <laughs> you know that's the only thing we did. So you know, and then and then it was fine. You know, like uh, it took a couple of days and everybody everybody was okay. But no, you're right. It was. Uh, Nobody was panicking. You know, we played the game. We're sitting together. We're close to each other. And everything we did was together. And then, uh, no, it didn't affect the rest of the team. But still, when you're talking about half the guys, that's quite a lot too, right? And then you guys got like eight or nine days off. Would you have been better off with just three or four days off? Well, it, the, the thing is, is that when you, you know, when you win and stuff, right? And, and in the playoff, a lot of guys are hurt. So for some guys, it was good to have nine days off. As for some other guys, it, it would be better to keep going. It depends on each each body is, of everybody is different because then when you when you don't stop playing, you have a shorter break. It's easy to stay to that same intensity. As if a team has a shorter period of they haven't played, they're more ready to, to, to go in gear right away. So, you know, and at that time, we had some guys that really played a lot of minutes. So I think in a way... It, it was an advantage. You could say that the way we started the series against Carolina when we were down 3-1, that maybe it wasn't an advantage, but the way that we came back after and stuff, yeah, maybe at that time it maybe would have been better if we played right away. We're joined right now by George LaRock, Montreal-based sports media personality, of course, the former Edmonton Oiler, Bob Stoffer, with you on Oilers Now. George, have you heard anything out of Montreal about the Canadians maybe being interested in Taylor Hall? Would that make sense for the Canadians team? It would make sense because uh, right now, what the Montreal is doing so much is they're trying to find a, a, a winger to play in the top line. You know, Craig Button was talking about the Montreal Canadian lineup, saying that none of the players would make the top line on any NHL team. So, you know, I don't know if I agree with this 100%, but still, it's close to the truth. So, you know, now they're talking about Taylor Hall, but again, being realistic, they don't think as a free agent that he was signing Montreal even though they're going to inquire about it, but I don't think he would sign in Montreal. So that's why right now, you know, we're talking about Patrick Laney, which is still on the table. We're wondering if the Jets will be able to move him. Uh, even Stemkos, people are wondering if, if Tempa is going to get rid of him because if you win the cup pretty much without him, you could keep pretty much your entire team uh, without a salary, and it helps you in the cap. It's 8.5 for the next four years. So, you know, Montreal needs a top right winger. So, you know, could they, they, they've traded with Tampa before by, you know, getting trading Sergachev for the wine, which well, obviously to the advantage of Tampa now. But maybe, you know, they could, because they, they're really going to be aggressive. You no, know, Manta, Anthony Manta, like you look at, you look at Line, you look at Stemkos, there's not many guys that, 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 that that could be possibly in a market that Montreal could go for. And that's why, like, in the, this plan B would be under free agent like Taylor All. But I think at that time, if they go to plan B like this, he's probably going to go elsewhere. So that's why they're really aggressive. Montreal is aggressive to make a trade before the, tra before the draft. Because uh, come to the draft often, most of the big key guys that all the team wants, they're, they're stolen before the draft. Like, teams are going big with big moves just before it. And Montreal right now, they have pressure of winning now because the window for winning the Cup, because of Price and Weber, is four years. Within right. four years, Montreal Canadiens are going to try to win the Cup because after that, uh, Price and Weber, you know, they know that 
eventually, you know, they're going to get older, and then you can't, they, they might trade them, or, you know, their chance is going to be less and less after four years. So they're going to be really aggressive for this year to, to get a top score, and, uh, but we're all anxious to see what it's going to be because Bergevin said he doesn't want to trade Kotkanemi, he doesn't want to trade Suzuki, he doesn't want to trade Romanov, he doesn't want to trade, uh, you know, um, um, Price. So because of all that, if you're limited uh, to what you want to give, you could be limited in what you're going to get in return also. But if you want something good in return, you got to give. So pressure is on him because more than ever, Montreal this year, they have to not just make the playoffs. But they have to do. We have, they have to do really good because I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Bergevin's job. What are they going to do with uh, Max Domi? I think they're going to trade him because, uh, and I don't know why. Because to me, uh, Max Domi is a guy that brings so much poise and and is a hard nosed player to play against. Is a guy that I would want on my team. But because of cap reason, because I think they're going to have to give the money that Dano wants, uh, and then they're going to have to give the give the money Petrie wants. They're going to have no choice because they're not going to have any, enough room to have the, a top forward like they want to do. So that, they, I think they might have to use him and maybe trade him with, a, with their first pick overall to get somebody like uh, a top right winger that you could play there. But it's very interesting to see because some people are saying that Bergevin is trying to sign him. And if they do, then maybe they're going to trade Dano because that's another discussion we've heard. Uh, Dano maybe wants too much money for what Bergevin wants. And if he trades them, so then you can keep Domi at center. So I think it's one or the other that they're going to keep. But, uh, you know, because they're a small team, I would keep Domi because he brings much more to, to this team. Well, of course, he uh, one-punched Ryan Kessler a few years ago. George, uh, Leon Dreisettle won the, uh, Le- the Ted Lindsay Award, which is voted on by the players, and the Hart uh, Memorial Trophy voted on by the media. Were you surprised that Leon won both of those awards? Yes, I was surprised. I, I, I was not surprised by the heart because what he's done uh, in terms of ice time, you know, uh, leading in the NHL and, and the team, t- 10 winning goals, this is remarkable. And to show that he could play without McDavid, it's remarkable. To, to give him the heart with the fact that the wingers that he's playing with and Connor wasn't there often and he was leader of that team, he deserved it. I thought that maybe the players would have voted for McKinnon because McKinnon is faster. He's more explosive than the way that he is. And, and I wouldn't have given the heart to McKinnon because he has better player around him. But I'm very happy and, and it's deserving that he got it too because, you know, like if somebody would have told me after McDavid got traded, uh, like, like uh, got picked by Edmonton, that one day another player in McDavid would, would win the heart and then Lindsay, I would have never believed it. So it's quite ironic the fact that with the year that McDavid got hurt, that the second best center in the NHL wins it all. So it shows you how great at best the Edmonton Alders are, the top two best center in the NHL. And now it's awesome because the team just has to find ways to surround them. The hardest thing for any team in the NHL is to find the two centers to be your core piece of your team. And now the Oilers has it. And, and, and thankfully also they're young. So, you know, they were able to, the fact that it hasn't worked in the past, you can still work in the future so they can. But, you know, you can't wait too long because, uh, you know, right now they're, on their pri- they're in their prime. You got to take advantage of it. But surely what Leon has done last year is incredible. When I talked to David Tossi when he was doing uh, power skating lesson to the guys, he said that Leon was, and, and, and actually Connor, 
were two of the hardest working guys. And you would think that guys like that don't work hard, but they always want to be faster and faster. And now all this work has paid off, and it's just incredible. Awesome stuff, George. As always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining Thanks, us brother. in Oilers. You bet. You, Thanks a lot, You're welcome, brother. You bet. That's George LaRock. Uh, 149 in Edmonton. <laughs> uh, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Oh, boy. Uh, we will get to uh, some texts on our Ashley Fine Floor and Text Line in this day in Oilers history, and it involves one of George LaRock's former teammates. You're listening to Oilers now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, 151 in Edmonton. Let's go to our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Bob, uh, your rant at the end of the uh, 130 segment, uh, you're speaking to the choir. At a 10% tax, I, I was talking about tax, and some people think it's just an excuse for Canadian teams, but former defenseman Mark says, at a 10% tax differential, you're looking at a cap savings of $8 million plus for markets with no state tax. Um, that is the equivalent of one upper echelon forward or defenseman. This is clearly an unfair advantage that aesthetic advantages can't outmatch. Looking forward to discussing this at length during the offseason. So here's the thing. Every team has a self-imposed cap. They have real dollars that they're going to spend on a team. So, uh, you know, uh, and you're also in a situation when you're trying to attract potential free agents, like t- you know, Steve Stamkos stayed in Florida, never went to the market. Part of it was perceived because of the tax advantages in Florida. Tampa Bay could actually pay less on a long-term extension than a team like Toronto would have to offer in order to procure his, uh, you know, uh, to, to convince a guy like Stamkos if he went to free agency to go there. And you heard Brian Burke on Saturday night saying they needed to add a million to every offer that they made out there. This is a question I'm not sure of to answer. So I'm, I'm going to get Brendan to jump in here too. Bob, how good is Alex Gelchenyuk? Is he defensive-minded? Would uh, A Gelchenyuk, and Neil make a good third line? Well, that this stage right now, Andreas Athanasio needs to be qualified at $3 million. Now, I guess perhaps given that there's been a uh, basically a cap reduction, the cap was projected to be $86 million and it's going to set flat at $81.5. Maybe you could go to Darren Ferris, who, besides representing Mitch Marner and Taylor Hall, also represents Andreas Athanasio. Maybe you could get him to take a haircut. As for how good Galchenyuk is, I don't know. And I mean that. Like I know he scored 31 year with Montreal, but he's bounced around enough, uh, enough that I think you're at the stage where you're not sure what he is. Uh, James Neal, James Neal looked a lot better to me in the playoffs when he had his health. But Brendan, do we know how good Galchenyuk is? The way he's bounced around the last couple of years. I honestly think that we do at this point. He's played 418 games in the league. And I know we talk about 350 for defensemen being sort of the benchmark. That's almost halfway through a career for a lot of guys. So, And, and albeit he's only a minus 34. I know a lot of people have their own opinions about that stat. So I, mean, I don't think he's a complete liability. But I think he needs to reevaluate his priorities if he wants to stick around in this league much longer. That's where I'm at 
not with him. He had eight goals in 59 games last season between Pittsburgh and Minnesota. Like, he was in Pittsburgh. And when the Oilers went into Pittsburgh earlier in the year, he was a complete non-factor in that game. Uh, so he played... He was drafted in the 12th draft, third overall, coming off the injury. I know Jason Greger was a guy that thought that the Oilers should consider taking Galchenyuk at number one. And Galchenyuk's had a better career than Neil Yakupov. Um, he was injured in that 11-12 season, only played two regular season games. Went back to junior in the lockout year in 12-13, was terrific. Then uh, at the start of the year to Sarnia, and then played with the Canadians in 12-13, had 27 points. Um, went from 9-13 to 20-30 to 20 to 30 goals and then started regressing in 16-17. 17, 19, 19, and eight goals last four years. I will say this. I think Galchenyuk will prove to be a decent buy because I don't think he's going to get big money. Uh, to this day in Oilers history, and a former teammate, very popular player, just like George LaRock involved in this day in Oilers history. Here's Brendan Escott. Back in 2000, 24-year-old Ryan Smith signs a three-year, $7.2 million contract. Already a five-year veteran by that point, Smith responded with 31 goals and in a career-high 70-point season in 2000 and 2001. He earned some All-Star and Selkie votes in that year as well. All right, I just wanted to mention, uh, because we didn't have a show yesterday, a special shout-out to our friends at uh, Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin, nine-time President's Diamond Award winner. They'll take care of you. They've got a great service department as well. It is employee pricing at this time. Uncle Milt Rich, Johnny and the Gang at Brent Ridge dot com and you can reach them at one eight seven seven four seven seven thirty six seventy three. Uh oh boy. Uh I have to uh, find something right now. What do we got coming up tomorrow, Brendan Escott on Oilers now? What does Reed Wilkins have tonight? Okay, well, I can tell you uh, for sure we have Elliot Friedman coming up tomorrow uh, from NHL Hockey on Rogers for our friends at the River Cree Resort and Casino. We'll also hear from your broadcast partner, if I'm not mistaken, Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network. As far as what Reed's got tonight, you... First of all, <laughs> you'll hear from uh, Bob Stopper there, uh, insider for the NHL on Sportsnet. Chris Johnston, a preview of the 91st running of the Canadian Derby on Sunday with Century Mile track announcer Shannon Sugar Doyle. All right. Uh, I am missing uh, uh, some information that I received. So I, I will tell you, Jalen and I have got a terrific show coming up for you and a little bit of perspective on yesterday's throne announcement. Special thanks to our guests today. They included Brian Lawton, the former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the man who drafted both Stephen Stamkos and Victor Hedman, Brian Burke from NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet, George LaRock. Brendan, great job today. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with... Eileen Bell and the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chet.